Welcome to Raising Rock Climbers. I'm Marina, your host, mother of two rock climbers and a wife to an extreme athlete. Protecting our kids is a parent's number one responsibility. And I'm not talking about that non-sickle overprotection type of parents prohibiting their kids to climb wherever and do whatever they feel that it's in their innate nature. That's not the kind of protection I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being alert to the signs that our kids show when it comes to issues with mindset, eating disorders, and so much more that is overlooked even by the best coaches. This is the true parent's job. And today's guest definitely is no stranger to this and so much more. I am so excited to talk to Connie Leitner, mother of Kai Leitner. Do you guys know Kai? Yeah, he is a pretty incredible climber. And she is a the backbone of his support system and so much more. Okay, so I have a confession to make. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie 14C. It's pretty old. It's probably almost 10 years old. And yes, we have been following Kai's career for over a decade at this point. And one thing that I noticed with the movie is that it's all about him and his mother. And first of all, I thought to myself, okay, that is one incredibly amazing mama. And secondly, why don't we hear all that is involved from the parents and so much more? And quite frankly, here we are. The life of this podcast sprouted from me watching that movie ages ago. So I am so excited to have Connie, who is pretty much the inspiration of this podcast. And secondly, one incredible mother, and she is going to be talking to us a lot about protecting your kid, the athlete, and so much more. Let's begin. For years, I have always stayed out of the limelight and stayed away from um, cameras. I was really successful at doing that for a long time. Really? Because I have to admit, you are the most out there mom. The, the problem is someone told on me because for years, every time, I'm talking about when he was much younger, every time we would be places and they would take pictures of both. Right. Um, Hold on. I would always delete the pictures of, with me in them before sending them to people. Yeah. On the screen, they would take pictures of both. But by the time they actually got it, it was always deleted. I always did this to them. And <laughs> somebody apparently told on me that if I, um, right, that they'll never get those pictures because I delete them. And whoever told on me, the next person when they filmed, they sent them to me and I did exactly what I did, but then they also sent them to them. Oh. All of them. So that's when it was a cover that came out. I was, I think, 14. It was a cover that came out and Kim and I were on the cover with me hugging them. Yeah, I've seen when that. I, when I saw Amazing. the cover, I looked and I was so surprised. And yeah, they thought it was funny because they knew what they had done. <laughs> They got you. Yeah. You're a part of his story. And so you have to be in it because it helps people to see the full picture of um, basically what he's had to go through and what he had to do in order to get here. And so finally I went with it and I, yeah, I, I finally stopped and I actually went with it. I don't know what happened here, but you look great. Awesome. But you know, it's funny is that you 
literally are one of the only parents that is so talked about. You've been my one of my inspirations to even begin all of this because there's so few like they're not part of his story. You are the story almost, you know, obviously you have this amazing child, but if you said, you know what, I can't, I can't get in the car today and take you to the gym. There is no more story. Right. I I think that the div I'm a single mom. And I I think that's the, the difference because it's not like I really had other options or choices. I mean, we tell our kids growing up that it's important for, them to stay busy. We want to keep them in activities. And they always say, keep your mind busy. But what people don't tell you is keeping their minds busy means keeping you busy. Oh, yeah. In order for that to happen, right, it it was just me. And so I really had no choice. And I was just having to, and I was an administrator at a university for a nice period of time when I was doing all that crazy traveling and doing it. But if I didn't, who was? Right. So that's, I think, because they kept seeing the same face everywhere, was going and Kaya's ADHD. <laughs> well, and it's irresponsible to send an ADHD kid out with a coach to a right. climbing area or anything else because you know what your kid gets into. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I've got. I, 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 I've been there. But I also read that you actually became even more inspired because your mother was doing that for you. And you're like, if my mom could do this with multiple kids, you could do this for your son. And I thought that was, you know, beautiful. Yep. I only have one. And then that, yeah. you know, when you are raised a certain way with, with values and time and care and love, and you always know that you have that support there and anything that you want to do, you know that they figured out a way to do it. You almost feel like you're cheating your kid if you don't give them the same. Because that's the role model that we've gotten for what what a parent is supposed to do. And so exactly. And it's funny because a lot of people think that that's normal, but it's so not the norm. Like we moved here because uh, we moved to Barcelona because our kids are obviously climbers and we want them to go to that next level. And it's either between here or the U.S., we chose here for many reasons, <laughs> but, and I tell the people, you know, we're here because we want to, oh, wow, that is so amazing that you could do that for your kid. And I'm like, but why wouldn't you do that for your kid? Like, wh- why is this, why is this treated like it's an abnormal thing when it should be the norm, right? I mean, should is such an ugly word. But, but that's because you were given that. So you feel compelled to give it. But when you start understanding, and I think, is not until I went to college, and funny enough, not until Kai went to college, did Kai finally understand that this isn't, unfortunately, it's not the norm. Because for the longest, like your kids, your kids are still in high school, like K through 12 age, right? Um, My youngest is 12. My oldest just graduated. He's 19. So he's, in, he's, yeah. he's, he's still in the same boat. When they're yeah. younger, they don't appreciate everything that you're doing for them because they think that this is the norm and what you're supposed to do because you're their parent. And so it's like, I mean, this isn't special. This is what you're supposed to do. I mean, I didn't ask to be here. I mean, that, that's, you know, what comes to their mind. When they go away and they go to college and they start being around other people and when things happen, it's like, you know, I mean, you just call your parents if it happens, you know, they'll fix it. You just do such and such. And when they realize their friends are struggling because they can't just call their parents. Those options aren't just there. 
they will start, they start to appreciate you in a whole different way. Cause at that Absolutely. point it's like, okay, so this isn't normal. Okay. So they did give me above and beyond. And yeah, yeah. They, they appreciate you in a whole different light. Yeah. But it's interesting. I've been an expat for over 20 years. We lived in Guatemala before and Costa Rica before that. So I met a lot of other friends who are foreigners. What is an expat? Oh, expatriate. So I lived in, we lived in Costa Rica first, then uh, we moved to Guatemala and now we're expats because we're not, although my husband and my kids, that's kind of the reason we moved here. They could eventually become citizens because my husband's Guatemalan and my kids are. So, but I'm an expat right now. So I'm not a citizen. And in Guatemala, I was there for 14 years as a tourist. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. But I mean, I was able to call my parents whenever, like for whatever we needed. And so many of my friends couldn't. Mm -hmm. Or when my parents came to help with the kids, they helped. And my friends were like, oh, my parents, I, I have to take care of them more than they have. It was, yeah, You even today, much older, I'm like, God, I have a good. It, it is eye opening. And it yeah, and it's amazing how the kids, it takes a little bit for them to understand that. But I guess our hope is we're sowing that seed in him of expectations for how you're supposed to carry yourself, how you're supposed to support, you know, family members, how you're supposed to do even with your kids. You have kids one day. So it, we're putting those seeds there. At least that's yeah. the hope. Absolutely. Yeah. And even friends, you know. Even though you treat your friends. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there, there are a lot of values and basic principles. You are absolutely correct. That he, that's always been stressed. But like you said, you, you get that when you have really good parents, really supportive parents. Yeah. And well, in the beginning, we, we didn't have much. Um, when, when Kai first started, like in the sport, um, to be perfectly honest, hold on, I need to cut my volume off. I just realized it when I heard a noise. I'm sorry. That's okay. When, so when he first got started, um, Kai was in my belly when I um, finished my doctorate, my PhD. And so I started right then at the university. He was a newborn. We were in the city. I had no family, anything there. And my salary was actually really low because at the time I didn't even know that it was low and they really should have paid me more coming in. And so we, I mean, I was robbing Peter to pay Paul for the first probably seven years, six, seven years. He started at six, all the way up to he was about 13 years old just to make ends meet for him to be able to go to the competitions, the training, because Kai didn't have a coach in the area. I literally coached him. We would go away, get training from a real coach, go back. And then I had, they taught me what it was supposed to look like, how to do it, you know, how to help him. And then I would have to do it throughout the month um, or, or two months until we can go back and meet with the coach again. That's and amazing. so, yes, but it was, it was all the travel because it wasn't local, you know, with the team, right. it was a lot. I was stretched. Oh. I was stretched thin with money. And I'm it wasn't sure. until later that we were able to, my, my job, I ended up able to get that substantially increased as well as sponsorships. But yeah, it, right. it was a little rough. <laughs> So when you trained him, because from what I understand, you didn't have an actual gym close by, where were you, how were you training him? What was your training process? We had a gym that was in our city, but it was the, you know, 
climbing gyms have drastically evolved. They used to be little warehouse type gyms. Like it was almost like a little warehouse. The walls were short. You, you remember. And um, we had to run them up. <laughs> Just well, a tiny little bouldery gym. Yes, that is. And even what they call the top rope wall, you could have bouldered. I mean, because right. it really wasn't too tall. And so right. that was what we had in the city where we're at about 10 minutes from the house. Oh, okay. And, okay. But but to train for national and world level competitions there was a little was a little rough. So we had we figured out how to use that um, all throughout the week, and, and once a week we would travel to a real you know to a much bigger gym, a taller gym, one where we could actually train for higher level comps once a week, and that was about a eighty mile about eighty miles away, which took about an hour fifteen minutes in order to get there. Right, each way. <laughs> Each way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. Yep. That was our weekend. One of the weekends. On the weekend, either we would go there or um, sometimes a week, one weekday, we might go to Raleigh. But then on the weekend, we may leave the city and go somewhere else to travel because it just the resources were not here. Right. And that added to money and time and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, I'm, we, we were fortunate that it worked out. It, it, it worked out in a way that I didn't realize it was going to work out. And it was actually like, right, in the, right in the nick of time, like like literally after I had a conversation with him, we came back to Can you tell me more how that, just curious, <laughs> how you mean, did it work out better? Or in the nick of time, like what was that? Kai went to the world championship, the youth world championship in 2013, and it was in Victoria, BC, British Columbia. And when he came back, he did really well at the comp. And that was the first time that everyone realized um, he could handle it on the world stage. Um, he made a small mistake in finals. That was the only reason why, because every round he was by far ahead with all of them. He made a small mistake in finals. But the most important thing for that competition is he realized he could do it. He realized he was capable and, and could handle it. Okay. When we got back home, um, it was maybe a week or two after the competition. I made him come in my room because I need to have a talk with him. And I was a little teary eyed and I told him that I loved him and you know, I would do anything for you, but I don't have the money to spend this on a regular basis. I can't do this every year because the amount that I'm even racking up with debt on a credit card is like, we're going to have to scale back. We're going to have to start picking and choosing some things to do a little more strategically because this isn't sustainable. I'm sorry. I love you. And I promise I'll do the best I can. And I had that conversation with him one day and literally weeks later, out the clear blue sky, someone dialed my cell number and said, you know, is this Ms. Leitner? I'm like, yes. And I'm you know, like, who's this? And it's like, okay, I hope you don't mind, but someone gave me your telephone number. And I work for such and such company. And I just wanted to talk about possible sponsorship because we think your kid is amazing. It's like, yes, he's a great climber. But when I bumped into him at this event and this event, he, he's funny, he's witty, and he's just a really nice kid talking to everyone, not just the people that were the best climbers. No, he was with the brand new climbers that was sitting in the corner. It's like, he's just a really sweet kid. And I think we really, you know, we want to work with them. And I asked my son about it. My son said, my mind ain't never met him in my life. I don't know who he is or what they talking about. He didn't even know he had bumped in who he was talking sure. to, bumping into. 
He was right. just being, being a kid, mm-hmm. being himself. And after that, a few weeks later, I told them what my situation was. I mean, we had an honest conversation. And um, they said they usually don't like sponsoring kids, especially with money, because the parents, you don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, what's your email address? And they gave it to me while we were on the call. I'm like, open your email and look at that Excel spreadsheet that I just sent you. I said, I'm a professor. I make money to cover myself. I'm like, the problem is I have a lot of student loan debt. And and I mean, heck, I buried my parents, um, both of them. So I had a lot of different things that was just on me. And it's like, so that spreadsheet is all the expenses I spent last year for him. So unless you're doing something drastically more than that, it's like the money is going towards him because I don't need his money to live. Right. I just need to figure out how to get him to competitions, how to pay for some of these yeah. things. Absolutely. Yep. And, and, and that was the first sponsorship. And I want to say that one was... Um, it may have been unofficially it was one with black diamond. And then it was, I don't know if that one was first or if it was Prana um, and evolve evolve was a, evolve was the other one, but the, the phone call I think was Prana. They came to you and they yeah. offered. So you never I didn't even know how they got my number. <clears throat> and weeks after that, someone else called and then we got another call that came through and I was like, you just don't understand. We had just had, I didn't know how I was going to be able to continue it. That's and I didn't even tell anyone, but Kai. That's unbelievable. No, it's actually, mm-hmm. that's what a miracle is. I actually say, you know, I believe in miracles. That's the miracle. Wow. That's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. and then from there, so to maintain sponsorship, because, you know, everybody wants a sponsor, right? That's, like the goal, what did it take for you not to lose the sponsor? Because that's an important, do they have certain criteria? Like what, how was that relationship? I think Kai has always been blessed with the sponsors. The other pieces, I always have, I had extensive conversations with them on the front side to make them understand I'm not a momager that's you know, someone that's going to micromanage, you know, to that right. level, but I'm going, I got to protect my kid. And it's like, I sent them report cards. It's like, he's had straight A's ever since he started getting grades in third grade. Education is important to me. And it's like, so yes, he can do the sponsorships, but understand his grades come first. If there are issues with school, it's going to be pulled. And it's like, so unless you guys can work with me and make it manageable for a kid, and it's like, I'm not going to let him be stressed out. He's not going to feel like he got to do these 15 million things because he is a kid. So if you're right. willing to let him be a kid and we could talk about some reasonable things that he can do, you know, as long as his, you know, his grades are OK, um, I think this would be great. But otherwise, I'm like, it won't work. And I had that conversation with different sponsors. And thankfully, every sponsor Kai has had from the beginning and every sponsor he has right now. They have always looked at the athlete or Kai as more than an athlete, as a complete picture. They never looked at him as only an athlete. So you must hit this marker, this marker, this marker, or you're going to lose it. And so we're grateful because they wanted him in the community. Kai has always done community service projects to work with different organizations and and kids in order to, to do things ever since he was younger. They supported those initiatives. They liked his grades being high. They liked all of those other things. They liked him writing articles or even speaking things that he was doing. They liked a full picture. So they never 
he never had those constraints. If you don't do this and this, okay. then you'll lose them. It's like, keep doing what he's doing and we'll keep supporting. That was almost the understanding that all of them kind of had. And they liked the development and the path that he took where it wasn't just overly, you know, results based and climbing and just hitting it hard. And so, it was, yeah, it's, he's just been fortunate that they've always looked at a complete picture. And it's because I've heard of nightmares with some of the sponsorships. No, all of his, they have values that's a little bit deeper with building as a person. Good. Because that's how it should be, right? Because the amount of stress as an athlete already, you don't need to have even more from your sponsors and all these issues, you know, that happen all the time. So, yeah, he is. He's as a parent, you just, I think as a parent, you have to be involved. You have oh, yeah. to you have to be involved with the sports, with making sure you understand sponsorships. We read every contract. I made him read the contracts and help me with redlining them because I needed him to understand it because it's our job to protect our kids. Yeah, it's a sport, and I think the sport is wonderful, but we have to make sure that they have room to be kids. And so, yeah, I think I think that part is important. Even he had to make a decision whether to focus on academics or trying to get into the first Olympics because right. he was graduating yeah. right at the time, right before when they were about to start for qualifications and all the rest. And he had a full ride scholarship, like to the top entrepreneurship school internationally, not just in the U S the school that everyone from all over the world, the top CEOs for all these top fortune 500 companies where they send their kids. And that's Babson college. He had an $80,000 a year scholarship. That's amazing. We, we follow that. Cause I was telling my kids, you know, Look what he's doing. He's actually getting that education because they forget. I just want to be a climber. I just want to be a climber. I'm like, they go to school. <laughs> a lot of climbers go to universities, you know, because I know that guy stopped like really competing for a while. And the main reason was because of this yeah. opportunity. It's You're not going to be a millionaire climber as a climber. Right. And so because this isn't a sport that you that just can sustain you for the rest of your life, you need an education. You need a little bit more. And so, you know, as a parent, it's their decision. But I was praying the whole time that he would come right. back with the, with the right decision of the one that sure. I felt was right. And so sure. I was really happy when he made that decision to prioritize school. And his sponsors stuck by him. They said, well, are you still going to be at least climbing some invisible in the community? He said, absolutely. I want to focus more on a lot of community projects that I'm doing and a lot of other things. He said, I plan on staying because I love climbing. It's just, I think my education is important too. His top sponsor stuck by him the whole time. That's amazing. Yeah, that's how it should be, promoting more of that rather than, I actually worry about like the Red Bull stuff. I'm like, you know, not that my kids are anywhere near that, but I feel like Red Bull pushes people a little bit to the limit of extremism. But that's a whole other story. That's when we when we first chatted and you're like, the main thing is protection of your children. It doesn't matter what age they are. You know, they can get caught up in all this craziness and being a parent. And being the parent, I think we have a different vision, a different idea of what our kids should be permitted to do, you know, and protecting them. Absolutely. I actually have a Red Bull story that I don't know if I'm supposed to tell, but I, I mean, I will. Okay. <laughs> they actually approached Kai for sponsorship. And I want to say Kai was 15 or 16. 
Okay. And I was really excited because Red Bull, I mean, everyone wants to be a Red Bull athlete. Oh, yeah. So exciting is on the edge. And I wanted to say no right away, but he said, Mom, but come on, my career, you have to let me at least. And so I, I told him, fine, we can go and take a trip if you want to go and talk to them. And, and we went on a trip with them. They did, you know, an activity, a, a camp, and it was, you know, photography stuff, doing a photography camp. And he got to interact with them and um, some of the other sponsored um, individuals and, and even the rep. And they gave a contract and they, you know, th thought about it. And I asked Kai to look at it and Kai was leaning towards, he wanted to actually do it. And unfortunately, I kind of pulled the plug on it and wouldn't let it go through. Why? What happened? What was the reason? Um, I explained to Kai that at that point, Kai was maybe, it may have been 16. Kai was writing. Still, you could still say yes or no at the end of the day. They have no right to go to him directly without you. Well, they, 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 they communicated with me, but... He was, he was, I think it was 16. He had written articles. He was doing speaking things. But at that point, everyone knew that he was an intellectual. They knew he was an A student. They knew that he was, you know, that that part was there for him. And he was a role model. And I was telling him, the problem is you have younger kids that look up to you. And you have um, everything that you do, whether you think they're watching or not. You're in a gym, they're watching. And the problem is, if you're drinking this drink and if you're endorsing it, mm. that means that the younger kids will think it's cool. And that's something that they will consider. And I say, I'm going to be honest, I don't feel comfortable with you promoting something that can encourage younger kids to continue the sugar content in it. it I just I don't think that's a kid's item. And it's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, when you get 18, you could you can make a different decision. But sure. right now you're not 18 and I don't feel comfortable. And I was like, I was trying to convince myself otherwise. And I was like, so I was trying to leave the door open to think it through, but there's nothing that's changed my mind in the midst of it. And to be honest, it was the role model factor. Good for you. you have to protect their image. You have to protect an image. You have to protect. I think, yeah, when you become in certain positions, you have a different responsibility. And I yes. want them to understand that kind of at, at, at that age. Definitely. No, absolutely. And it's interesting because I don't ever look at him in that respect. Like to me, Red Bull athletes, I think they're great. I think the whole Red Bull thing is, you know, it's fantastic, but it is a certain kind and they do promote something that is really edgy and bad boyish or bad girlish because <laughs> there's a lot of girls. Um, and Kai is just, he seems like somebody that is just this wholesome sweet person. I don't know if it's because of how you raised him, I guess, because you're so much a part of everything he does. And I think that is, yeah. I mean, we've been watching him since he was 14 or 13. I remember when my kids started talking about him and now he's like this man. <laughs> you must be like crazy, right? He's like huge and a man. But yeah, you still have to work with him and protect them. Absolutely. So I would love to know a little bit about his coach, because I know that Shane has been a really big influence in his life and I kind of co-coaching with you almost, but obviously taking the helms another way. How did you find him? How did you realize it was time kind of to give over the reins for someone else? 
the funny thing is, a funny story, the first time we ever walked into a climbing gym, that gym I was telling you that was like a small warehouse in the city, yeah. and someone told him to consider it, because he always climbed things. So someone right. made the recommendation. <laughs> the first person that we saw when we walked into the gym standing at the desk was Shane. And so Shane put him on the wall for the first time, taught, tied him in and looked at him climb. And Shane was just amazed that he was able to get up so many things that were considered difficult. Right. And he was climbing wall after wall after wall until finally he got on this like 60 angle wall and could not make it up. And he bursted into tears and he kept trying and kept trying. And I literally had to pull him down and off the wall and make him go home because he, he couldn't do it. And he was upset and he did not want to leave. And he kept coming back every day since. And Shane loved the drive that they that he saw in him. He saw right. how strong he was. And Shane was telling me, he's really good. You really need to consider bringing him back regularly, even consider putting him on team. The problem is, and Shane would help him initially. After maybe a year, maybe, maybe it may have been a year I don't even know if it was that long. Shane moved. Oh, he, he moved first to Raleigh, which is that gym that was 80 miles away. So he was right. no longer there with him. So I would travel there to bring him to him. Two years later, Shane moved all the way to Boston. Oh, yeah. And Kai would just start flying up there in order to travel and train with them. Because by then, Shane became almost like a big brother. Shane is, is like my kid. Right. He's like my baby. I, I, I love him to death and always have. And it didn't take long for me to realize if I couldn't be there, he was probably the only other person that I trusted to be there with him. He knew that my son's brain didn't work right sometimes. He knew <laughs> that his ADHD would kick in and he had to keep an extra eye on him if they were out somewhere. He knew right. that he was getting into more so than anyone else. So I, I kind of trusted him. To, I, well, not kind of, I completely trusted him um, to, to, to help him out. He knew my son was forgetful. He would leave everything everywhere. Like the, he would go out to the chair to compete and they would have to go find his shoes. <laughs> I have three of them. So <laughs> you don't have to tell me about that. Oh my God, how frustrating. But yes, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's, he's, he's like family. And so he, we were just lucky that he was that first person. He introduced him to it and he helped him a lot in those early stages. So it allowed that, yeah, that trust was able to be built a little bit easier. Sure. Um, and so, no, he's, he's, he always has been a, a go-to. He still is for Kai. He still sets programs for Kai with That's training amazing. to help him um, stay strong in different ways. And his wife, Shane's wife is amazing. She is a former Olympian. Oh, and what? Um, I want to say, is it? Hmm, I don't. I, I don't want to mess this up. I think it's the fifteen hundred. Okay. But Morgan Euseni. I mean, she was more than Olympian, like like number one in the world, ranked wow. for. Yes, she was um, amazing. She sets training programs for Kai because she's a trainer, and so both of them. And so he got married, and Kai was like, "Yes, that means I get two now." You know. So. <laughs> Seriously, double sure. help. <laughs> oh, like extended family now. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because I know. I mean, like we've been following them. Like I've been saying, and Shane is in every 
part of like his uh-huh. development, I guess you could yep. say. That's yep. a, yeah, it's amazing. And we have finally like found a good gym here and a good coaching system, I'm hoping, because that's been so important. Parent Parental coaching only goes so far. <laughs> and yeah, like the fact that you even coached him for as long as you did, it's incredible. And I, didn't, you- I didn't want to. No, let me, let's be clear. Oh, I'm sure you tutoring, tutoring or working with your own kid is the worst job in the world because they're kids. They're spoiled. They're selfish. They I mean, I used to want to throw a shoe at him on a regular basis because I mean, I'm exhausted from work and I'm on my feet trying to help him. And he's acting bratty. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, I used to drive almost entitled. <laughs> I don't know about Kai in general, but from my experience, and that's like entitled. And I almost right. I I mean, it's been numerous curse words that's come out of my mouth in the gym as he was climbing. I mean, I know I've taken a shoe off and tossed it at him before when he was climbing. So no, it it, it drove me crazy, but I didn't have any other options. Right, but you stuck through it. There's been many times I'm just like I can't. Like my family was like, why are you exploding so much? I'm just like, I just can't. I'm like, I need to just give you over to someone else to do this because I used, just- to, I used to threaten to run away from home. And I said, <laughs> look, I'll leave you with a credit card, the house. And it's like, so I <laughs> but you would drive me crazy. I didn't. <laughs> Honestly, it tests your relationship. Yeah, like, yes, really tests. You having a coach, something that you just said, that is one of the deepest, most important relationships and choosing the right one when you have a child athlete that I don't even know if I can underscore how important that is because the coach will be the next person from you that they listen to, that they trust because they only listen to us, but so much. Oh, yeah. so it's important to have a different adult. <laughs> it's bad. bad. <laughs> but they're going to listen and the coach is going to have their ear, their trust. So if it's not you, the coach is the next closest thing to you when you have a kid with high aspirations in the sport. So choosing the right one that actually cares about your kid and not just a result. Yeah, that's probably one of the most important decisions that any parent has to make. Yeah, well, we are so new. We've only been with this team for like a, a little bit over a month. I feel like that is definitely happening, but again, you know, it's such a new relationship, but I'm definitely seeing that they are motivating them, inspiring them. I don't know if they can go and hang out and talk to them about things they can't talk with me about just yet, but at the moment, yes, it is so important. And I also know how a bad coach could totally screw things up. (laughs) I, I don't know if you ever read this book called Grit, have you ever heard of it? If no. not, it's a fantastic book. And there's this one point where she talks about how to get grit. You know, like grit is really what's the difference between some people. Anyway, so she talks about this guy. He's like, I had a really bad coach. It's mainly focusing on swimmers. And I'm like, how bad can a coach really be? <laughs> you know, like how bad? Until in Guatemala, our good coach, we had a good coach, which kind of brought them back into the climbing scene and that's really where they bloomed he had to leave i don't know guatemala is very corrupt in many ways and this other coach came in and this is when you really realize what a bad coach is 
The only thing they were saying about him is that he's a drunk. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about this. Like, he was off that. They were not permitted to be. I'm going to be honest, though. You should be happy that that's the type of bad coach that you got. And I, I know that sounds really, I know that sounds weird because at least it was obvious and it was known because Kai also had that experience. Of a bad coach. But mentally and physically, yeah. it, it, it he he's had therapy for lots of years just to be okay with some right. of the things that actually occurred. Because of the coach. Yes. That is it. Yeah, absolutely. That's the part that they don't know. And it's so at least it was obvious, but when you have a coach that presents one way and smiles and you think that everything is okay, sure. but you don't realize it's other things that are going on. His eating disorder developed from that. Okay. One of the things about that, that. Yeah, yes. that, that, that happened because they would literally have them in front of other kids and talk about how you're fat. And that's the reason why this is the case or in front of other kids, everyone else can get snacks, but not you. Or making them stand on a scale in front of the other kids. Oh my God! That and so, is yeah, yeah. And you didn't know you didn't know anything about this. And Kai wouldn't tell me because, because he probably didn't even think it was wrong. Kai, well, Kai, Kai felt that he needed them to win and to keep, and to keep winning because they were helping him because they were very good with the climbing aspect, and so he felt like he needed them. To continue when, because Kai actually had it's two coaches that were in the beginning. It wasn't one. It's just one that right. we talk about now for that reason. But oh he felt like he needed that as part of the formula to keep winning. And he knew how I am. He knew that if he told me that um, he knew I would stop it. And he figured out if I stopped it, then that means his career <laughs> and what he was doing would be no more because he, he knows how I am. And so Kai, he kept it from me. But I noticed that I noticed the reaction that he would have. And this is when he was really young and I would ask a lot of questions, but he wouldn't tell me. And so it was this, no, no, just no. Right. And I'm like, God, what's going on? That doesn't make sense. And so when I noticed the way he locked down, I would try to pay attention and I would try to ask more questions. But the problem is with a kid I know in hindsight, you need to listen to what they don't say. Yes. Because watch their actions, watch their responses. And if the responses are drastically sharp or different, trust that and, and make a change, to be honest. And yeah. I didn't know that before because I was listening to what he was saying and not, yeah. you know, not not the other part. And so those instincts are important because, again, that's the next closest thing to you that they're trusting. And so as a parent, you just you, you have to stay on top of it. You have to be more aware. It's yeah. The eating disorder that finally came to a head because I finally started trusting my instincts. How long did it last with this coach before you even found out about this? By the time he was 10, I realized it was a problem. And so I started, even though Kai wouldn't say, I started pulling the plug and distancing him. 
And it started being maybe a couple times a year that he might interact with them. So I started pulling the plug a little bit more. Or then maybe in the summer when he was preparing for something, he may go and he may interact. But I did not. I stopped the regular on a regular basis. By the time he was with 13, I think I just said, this is it. It's, it's done. It's over because I, I can't. And again, he still wasn't telling me all of it. Sure. Yeah. But I, I pulled it because it was enough for me to know something wasn't quite right. And um, the eating disorder part, um, it, it got really, really bad, probably around maybe 14, 15, 14, maybe. And I noticed something wasn't right with him. And then I started paying more attention to exactly what he was eating. I started paying more attention to, um, I would pay attention to what he was eating. And, and then I started to realize like we would be talking. And it was one time he, he had to just in the midst of talking, he just, he started like almost um, wanting to throw up. And so it was like a little bit came, came up and he had to get a cup. And so it's not like he was gagging. He wasn't away in the bathroom and I'm looking, I'm like, and so, and then, right, I'm paying attention and I'm watching how he wouldn't want to eat basic stuff. No, no, I can't eat that. No, it makes me feel heavy. And I'm looking and I just, I don't know. I started, I started kind of paying attention to everything from breakfast to like when he came home with dinner, I would watch and make sure I was seeing what he was eating, was what he wasn't eating. And I just, I realized at some point, even when that happened, I started asking my questions, questions outside of him. I started asking my physician friends and other things. And basically I suspected that it was an eating disorder. Cause yes, I understand it's a fine line between it. As an athlete, they do have to eat different. They do have to exercise different, but it's a fine line between doing that in a healthy manner, especially for a kid and an eating disorder. And because it's, they're not the same as others. They can't just junk it up like others. So it is a difference. But being able to identify that difference um, when the weight loss is a little bit too much. And it's like you seem like it's, you should be a little bit more that's there. And like I said, the eating habits, it makes me heavy. I don't want to. And say so they stop wanting to. You got to pay attention to those signs. Oh, yeah. And I saw it one time. And I, I actually called because I've been speaking behind the scenes to physicians. Okay. Um, I called the doctor's office and I made several appointments until I felt comfortable with one. And I explained to them that I thought that my kid had an eating disorder. And I found a female doctor that I liked a lot. And I explained what was going on. I'm like, I need to figure out the best way to handle it. And so he didn't know I had talked to her in advance um, because she was, I think, the third one I had spoken to. So when I brought him into an appointment, he took different tests and she realized numbers were off and they were down. She's like, oh, it's definitely a problem. And basically she scared the shit out of him, explaining to him that because of these numbers and if it goes below this number, this is what's happening. You will have to be hospitalized and you're not far away from that benchmark. And so she basically scared the life out of him. And because she understood I needed help with making sure he understood that that wasn't OK. Right. So, yeah, I, I noticed it. So luckily, but that's where I go back to. When they're high level athletes, they do train at a different level. Expectations are different. But the importance of a parent 
staying on top of their kid, the relationships and just understanding their kid. We can't go anywhere. You can't just turn them over and leave and, no. and just not be involved at all. It, you can't. No matter what age. <laughs> uh, I see my 19 year old as well. I'm like, he's not ready to just do it on his own. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we are. I always say like this is the, this was actually the reason why I wanted to create this um, because there's so much involved and it's also just great parenting advice in general, but especially when you want to talk about becoming a pro athlete, the support, to be honest with you, like, I don't know if you saw that movie King Richard. Have you seen King Richard? Yes. I loved it. I, yes. I, you know what? I will never take away the amazingness between behind Venus and Serena, but let's face it, the what their father did for them that we would never know a Venus and a Serena, you know? And, 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 and he was a little rough, if you want to be honest, yes. but here's the, here's the thing. He's a and, <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. It's, it's, I can tell you for different reasons. Okay. When you're one of the first doing anything, and this applies to Kai as well, there are things that you see that they go through and there are things that you would never see that they go through that, that only us see. Right. And just like, I mean, it, it took until 2020 for our country to realize we have a race problem. And the truth is he had to be a certain level of toughness and make his kid be a certain level of toughness because of all of those things that he knew they were going through. Right. Kyle is it's not it's not exempt from rock climbing. He's a, yeah. he's experienced it new, a lot of different things with it. So you have to make them a certain level of tough to be able to get through the normal things that a high level athlete is going to go through and the BS stuff that most people don't even realize exists and even when you try to tell them they completely shoot it down like it's in your mind and you're playing the race card. Right. So preparing your kids to be able to deal with a lot of bullshit with a smile because you can't let the rest of the world see what's going on. If they saw that, then you become disgruntled or you become the rest of it. So it's a little bit more, to be honest. And so I, I can relate wholeheartedly when, when, when I saw it. It's one thing to be the first. It's another to just tell people the mental things that you're going to go through. You would better have a very good support system. Yeah. And just the fact that we got to see the behind the scenes, which we don't ever, you know, um, so few. We don't normally talk about it. We don't normally talk about it. No. If, yeah. If we do, we get shot down. Yeah. If we, so you, 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 yeah, you really can't. It's one of two responses that you get whenever you do talk about some of those things. And I, I'm adding the racial aspect on only because that's an extra layer. Oh, yeah. Either someone will tell you, oh, no, no, they're a good person. I'm not going to let you, you know, talk down about. Or you'll get the, do you really think so? No, but there's, no, I just, they're really great. And so you, you'll get one of those responses. So what's the point? Right. right. So you're not going to hear it from the average person. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And just the support that 
we give and like how you were saying the expenditures. And also I love the fact that you said that you became like your second full-time job was a belayer. <laughs> I don't remember where you mentioned it, but you were like delaying 20, 30 hours a week. I'm like, it's incredible. <laughs> if your kid's life is going to be in someone's hands, yours is the best. Yeah. Well, that about me right now. I was always scared of heights and I had to get over it when he started climbing outside. Oh, yeah. Because if there's somebody setting the anchors and you're telling me my child's life is dependent upon those anchors being set correctly, I'm like, you're going to need to teach me how to set those anchors. I need yeah. to learn. Did you ever climb? Have you actually? No, climbed? I'm not a climber. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not either. <laughs> I just don't I, get it. I, but... They taught me how to coach climbing, but I have right. never been. The intellectual part of me could understand the things yeah. that they were teaching to be able to relay them. But no, climbing hurts. <laughs> it's just it's such an amazing sport on every level but and i so wish i could do it but i'm just it's just not my thing yeah it's just not my thing at all so i want i like to ask um what advice would you give to parents whose kids are now going to that next level because there's definitely that difference between oh yeah my kid climbs or okay we see like real dedication and commitment and are we ready for that so what would you recommend like what would be your advice i like you've heard some articles talking about how they don't like youth in elite level sports like that when they're so young right i i don't think anything is wrong with it i think it okay. teaches them some critical life skills that can help them throughout the rest of their life but here's the caveat to that statement I don't think anything is wrong with it as long as there is a parent or parents that are there and present with them the whole time that's steering it. That's number one, allowing kids to still be kids. You got to carve out that time so that, yes, they can be dedicated to their sport, but they have to have other aspects of their life that's not that sport to make the kid whole. They can't make their whole world just that sport. I think right. that there are critical life things that you will be taking away from them if you even allow that to happen. They need friends that are just not only always climbing. So right. I think that's one thing is you have to make sure that the kids are still going to be kids because they're kids. They don't know any better. They'll be 100% doing whatever it takes all into that if we allow them to. So sure. it's your job to look out for them and make sure that that it's more to it than that, that they're more well-rounded than that. No matter what sport it is, even if it is one that can bring the millions, no problem. Allow right. them to do it, but make sure that it's a perspective there and that they have that other side. I yes. think another thing would be you have to make sure that your kid's identity is not tied up in results. Oh, yeah. That's a such a big it, it, it's it's a tough one, but it's an important one because you're not always going to be on top. And in Kai's situation, either it's because you choose to do something else or if it's just something happens, it could be an injury that can happen, anything that can happen that will, that will stop that. So you don't want depression or whatever else to kick in because their whole identity was associated with them being number one. And now that they're not, it's like they feel like a failure and they fall into different, you know, depression or whatever other ruts can actually occur. I think I, th I think that one's an, an, an important one. 
Have, has Kai ever had a serious injury like that? He would have he stopped for a while because of the injury. Yeah, I had to look like that because yes, he had Kai a lot. He has broken like his bro's told multiple times. Kai had a um a back injury that they said was going to end his career at 16 mm -hmm. um, because it was an avulsion, two avulsion fractures. They couldn't find them. And all they knew is he had probably, he could lift his arms up past a certain point, all the MRIs, all the other stuff, they couldn't find it. And they basically said, sometimes with the spine, some things just happen and it's nothing you can do about it. Um, I'm a researcher. So I started right. diving into the research. I started looking at the articles. I started pulling things and I found an article of it was a it was a rock climber. Um, it was a, it was an article in one of the medical journals. But basically, when they traced it down, they said avulsion fracture and some of the symptoms and different things that they said sounded like high. And so I brought it and I even asked the physician about it. I had to make my insurance company basically take another exam because when I brought them to it, that made me bring them to a different doctor. When I brought them to a different doctor, they looked at the x-rays and immediately circled this one area. He, they said, there's something else going on right in here that you can't see. He was like, but I need different images. So we had to force the insurance company basically to give us another set of images. And that's when they found it because they were looking for something different. And um, so that happened. And remind me to come back to the whole importance of keeping on top of doctors when it comes to as a parent and as well as, you know, the coaches when it comes to injuries. Remind me to come back to that. Okay. But that happened. And I want to say five months later, he was on the podium at the Youth World Championship. Um, it was maybe six months later. He had a one with his hand, think with the um, thumb. I want to say where the thumb was completely useless. It's something that was torn in there. And they said ordinarily it never goes back to right unless you have surgery, but it was a tricky surgery. And he had that. He competed in order to get a spot to make sure he was assured to get a spot with team at the, the um, Pan American Championship with his thumb like that. Wow. Yeah. But he, he got the spot and then immediately after the competition, the doctor basically talked to them. It was like right now it's so messed up that he couldn't do much more damage, period. So okay. if you compete, go ahead. But the second is over, we need to bring him to surgery. So he competed. He got what he needed. And then he went immediately into surgery, I think, three days later. Wow. And again, it was maybe a few months after that, he was, he was on podium again at the Youth World Championship some months later. So he's had to go through numerous. Um, those are just a few. The family, right. When he was maybe 12, I mean, he had a, a really bad growth plate fracture in his finger. Oh, wow. And yeah, he, that one could have, his friends, he has friends that basically their climbing careers ended because of that same exact um, fracture. The, the difference is what I was asking you to remind me to, to, to talk about was um, I was on top of it. That was the difference right. I was just gonna say that. In, in some of his friends. How, like what is the what's going on behind the picture there with the parents and how much are they on top of that? Like what made the difference with their fracture versus Kai's, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um. 
the nerd in me, researching, talking to my physician friends and all the rest of it, I realized that first, doctors are human. They only know what the research has told them and their experiences has told them. The problem is back when Kai, I mean, we're talking even 2013, climbing was still so new of a sport. Even when he was even younger, when I said that other injury occurred, that was back maybe even 2009, 2010. It's so new of a sport that doctors don't understand the abuse that they're putting on their bodies. And so when a doctor to a normal person breaks a bone, six weeks later, you go back to normal activity. New bone can't handle the pounding that a rock climber puts on their fingers. So you can't go back to normal activity after six, um, six weeks. There's only six weeks you can go back. You can't. And so I would add on time. If they said six weeks, I said, okay, that's 10 weeks. Right. And at 10 weeks, you can start going light. So I realized they didn't understand. The fracture with his back that almost ended his, his career back then, had we went in and told them Kai was a power weightlifter, they would have done the appropriate x-rays on the front side. Mm, okay. Because they would have known that things happen differently because of the stress that they were putting on you know, different parts. And they would have done the different slices of the um, images that they needed. But when you say a rock climber, they don't, they don't understand. They, don't understand. At least they didn't how much you put on there. And so as a parent, you have to explain that with doctors. You have to make sure that they understand. You have to make sure that they keep up with, um, that you're, you force your kid to take off the time they're supposed to take off. Because right. they're kids. If they say six weeks, they're going to be back in the gym going hard in six weeks. So it's you as a parent that has to say, no, you, you have to rest longer. Because, I mean, yeah, it's just our job to look after our kids because they don't understand. And you have a much more complete um, picture of your kid um, than, than the doctors or anyone else would have. So it's funny. Um, you're saying that it was such a new sport back then. I think to this day, we need to find people that understand climbers. Because, I mean, the injuries, they happen. I'm not going to go into our injuries, but a lot of them, like the just even the fingers, right? And understand they have no idea. You finding us, we, my son had problems for ages and we used to have a Chilean coach. And in Guatemala, there was nobody that would help. And he ended up recommending a, in Chile, because we speak Spanish also, that helped a special physiotherapist that worked with climbers. Otherwise, nobody was helping. I mean, we went to every single person, but because they don't have that, Today, it's better. I don't know if you've ever heard of Beta Angel Project. No, um, I think my family has. I personally haven't. Friends of mine that live in the um, D.C. area, Alexandria area, and they're associated with Sport Rock um, Climbing Gym. They have a whole wing that's dedicated to research. And they do coaching using some of the research. Um, that they actually have. They have conferences now set up where physicians and researchers come together just to discuss climbing type research and medical research and different things that have come up. And so they're starting to merge the science and medicine with training 
to help figure out things, to help them train more efficiently, um, to help them recover more efficiently, to help them prevent injuries a little bit more efficiently. So it's it's coming. And again, I mean, I'm a nerd. So being the evolution of it, I see it because now it's coming up because it took a lot of digging for me to find that research article. You're amazing. I wouldn't know what to do. My husband understands medical stuff. I wouldn't, I would just, oh yeah. Yeah. It's It's, it's getting better. It is definitely getting better. There's a lot more now and climbing. And now that it was in the Olympics, it's such a, it's now much more open, right? And I think it's becoming a collegiate sport at this point, right? I think some universities are starting to bring it on. We've had a collegiate, USA Climbing has had a big collegiate um, um, organization and, and, um, or um, discipline of it going on for, for a while. Yeah. And yes, they have a world championship with the collegiate. And so yeah. <laughs> the USOPC, that's the Olympic um, basically committee. Um, right. We're now under their umbrella. So now they give resources to help with the training, the prevention, with a lot of the other things. So the athletes now are much better taken care of than they were years back, even when my kids were coming up through it. So it's it's a positive trajectory. It's getting better. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it is, it, it is, it's evolving, right? It's, it's such an evolving of everything, especially now that it hit the Olympics. So we'll see. I'm kind of curious where it goes at the moment. It's still this, unbelievably inclusive community. It's mm-hmm. really heartwarming community. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because, you know, we live in Latin America and the whole football thing. And honestly, Connie, it's a sport of bullying, bullying. Oh. And then my kids got into climbing and it's just embracing. <laughs> it's a community, like the love. It doesn't matter who's competing against who. This is but one sport where your age doesn't matter. No. Where uh, to be honest, the gender doesn't no matter. Gender either. The re- yeah. the race doesn't matter because for the majority of the people, the overwhelming majority of the people, and I always say the problems usually come from a minority. But the minority yeah. usually are so loud that <laughs> it drowns out the others. Right? But they don't care. They want to climb rocks. They want to. My son was sixteen and he went climbing with Doug Robinson. Doug Robinson was like seventy six at the time. I, my kids climb with like 60 year olds and they're like, oh my, because we're in Spain. I think everybody climbs here. They're like, oh my goodness. You know, they have the same respect as they would for somebody their own age. And it's so ama- amazing to me. But what sport yeah. would you have a 76 year old white man and a 16 year old black boy doing the sport together and yeah. working with it? Right. It's and not respecting each other equally. And respecting yeah. each other. He was learning from me. He taught him. He brought him on his first multi-pitch climb. Yeah. And he was just teaching him basics um, that was going on. Kai, Kai loved it. It was invaluable to have a legend like him in the sport actually sure. do that. But it's not many sports where you really can enjoy it like that at a high level because it really doesn't matter. So you I, have, I think inherently it is inclusive as a sport. Yeah. No, I don't know any other sports. I lived in California for a while where everybody wanted to be a surfer, a pro surfer or whatever. But the territorialism and the bullying, it was, it was terrible, terrible, you know? Yeah. So climbing to me, and I don't climb and it doesn't matter. It's just this amazing. You know, I think the big difference could be that you need someone else in climbing. You can't just, you go on the slopes by yourself and it's just you. 
But kind right. of like some of the other team sports, even though technically climbing isn't a team sport, it is. Right. You have to really put your life in the hands of the belayer or your spotter. And so if you're trusting someone like that, your bond is going to be a little different, even though technically you're competing against them. Right. You've got to trust that person and you have to have a certain level of friendship um, in order to just do what you do. And so I think that may help with the sport a little bit. Yeah, it's just a magnificent sport. So I have another fun question to ask you. I was reading that you used to say that you needed your three hours of me time to get to refuel yourself. So what was your three hours of self-care? Because we need our self-care. Things <laughs> that didn't involve climbing. Stop <laughs> being dirty. Just it. I was at the point that it didn't even matter. I wasn't even kidding. I, I go, for, go for a walk. Turn the TV on and just lock my door so you can't come in. And just, yeah. right, just leave me alone. Right. As a parent, I'm like, I wasn't even kidding. Anything that didn't involve dirt or bugs or chalk. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I have a travel site because I'm a big time traveler. And up to a certain point, I was picking all the travel trips today. I have no say in anything. Everything is around some sort of a travel that has to have climbing. If there's no climbing, they don't go, oh, yes, I get it. I get it. And even when they get grown, I swear I've tried to retire so many times. And I will pay someone to go in my place if he needs help just because I try not to. Right. But as you know, I'll be coming to Spain. And yes. In, in a I'd love to know about that. Yeah. And I'm so, there for weeks with him in Spain. And it's where are you going? they still need us. Yeah. Where are you going? Where um, are you going to Spain? Santa Linea. Santa Linea. Okay. I got to look that up. I, I haven't heard of that yet. So I guess it's a good climbing site, right? <laughs> he chose the climbing site because of me. Because okay. he knows I can't do all that hiking like I used to do. Okay. I those uphill and I'm gonna be going to take me an hour to get there. That breaks me down. I'm not I'm not 30 anymore. Like like I'm right here. I'm not in my 30s. I ain't in my 40s no more. So I, I can't do it like I used to. So he knows that I have to get hikes that are a little bit more friendly than some of the mess, like the Norway trip that we went when him and Ashima filmed the um with 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 Cliff Bar. I can't do that anymore. Yeah, that looked like a pretty crazy. Oh, that hike was hanging. It was hang. I threatened production every day. <laughs> He's like, go ahead, do that for me one more time. And I would get him the nastiest looks. Cause like, you want me to do, right, do it again for the camera? Right. <laughs> it, it was rough, but yeah. I made it through then, but no. So he, he knows that in order for me to be able to go good climbing and reasonable hikes, even if it's long, it can't be long all appeal. Right. I mean, I just I need a balance. Something that he knows right. I can I can I can handle. <laughs> all right. Well, I can't even tell you how grateful I am and how wonderful it is to have met you virtually. Hopefully, we'll meet in person because this has just been great. We're yeah. we're gonna meet in person. I'll get there. We'll figure right. out whether it's before when we're first there or when we're coming back. We're we're going okay. to. Yeah. To this day, he does every waiver yeah. he signs. Sure. He puts my number on on. Yeah. I'm like, you're grown now. You can put your on. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm fine. And he still puts my Yeah. You know what? I actually, I'm grateful that they still do that. That means that they, you know, they still need us. Mm -hmm. They still need us. And that's the most important thing of all. <laughs> so how did it go when Nat Geographic came and filmed him for the entire week? How did that work out? 
women. What was Nat Geographic? I can't. Oh, was it 14C? That movie where it was they came was it was Nat when he was like 14 years old, right? Yes, that was um, actually Evolve. Um, I think commissioned that one, and okay. George was gr the greatest. He was right. an absolute so, director, right? Yes, mm -hmm. the best. He he, I think he kind of changed the way that some videos, climbing videos, are done. I'm saying that because before then, all the climbing videos is hardcore. You're outside, right. you're in the grit, you're in the dirt, you're doing these hard moves. <laughs> And when he came and did that film and Mike is up for a while that we've had to do several projects with stuff like that. Now I keep Kai close to me because as long as he has that mic on him, he's a kid. He's going to forget. I don't forget. I can wake up in the morning and I'm going to remember that there are cameras or there's whatever. And right. middle of night at 3 a.m. I am going to remember. So yeah, I keep sure. close. Yes. Because I go up at certain points and I will cut that pack off. I've done this during filmings before. And they're like, oh, we need new batteries. I'm like, why? They're like, because we can't hear anything. I was like, oh, that's because I disconnected it. Because there's still times where this conversation ain't for you. Or if right. I was going with his friends, I, I remember I'm going to disconnect and then go ahead and do such and such sure. so that I can I, I can protect. Because I don't forget. Yeah, not everything needs to be seen by everyone. And he's just now old enough that I trust that he can do filmings and he can keep that together. Because right. for the longest, no, I would always be present. And when it's in-depth projects now, I'm still present because I don't forget. I'm there <laughs> for image so that I can keep up with exactly what's being caught and, right. and, and the rest of that. So it, it was a little different. It was a little rough. But luckily, George was fantastic. And if people could see the B-roll behind the scenes. Yeah, I would love to have seen that. <laughs> that would have been so interesting. The two of us are a little special. <laughs> we are a little special. Being a jokester and even where I'm a fuss at his little tail. And we just, yeah, I think the real rock people said if they didn't know we were close, if they if I didn't know y'all, I would think y'all didn't like each other. Oh my god, that's how much please talk to us. And I'm like, people will think you're mean, but because yes, I we so yes, we have a different sense of humor yeah. with the way we okay. will handle each other, what we'll what we'll do. And we always try to get a good one-liner off. And so, yeah. but that's always been our, our thing. And right. at any moment, right, I can stop like, look, chill. And I, right, he will instantly stop. But right. we always had that relationship. So, oh my God, there's there's footage in the background. Like me fussing at the producers on the regular basis. Like, ask me to do that one more time here. I mean, so <laughs> <laughs> a lot of B-roll footage that luckily no one gets to see. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Do you have it? Do you have access to it? No. No, they, no, no. but I, I know they picked up a lot of specialists. Oh, I'm sure. Right. So luckily they've never put that part out there. They'll they'll make me be the sweet person when it goes out there. They don't they don't see the other part. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was wonderful chatting with you. And I know you have your whole day is just beginning. Mine is coming to the middle. <laughs>